Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. This is Bullhagen. This is Berg. And this is Vicker. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. Uh, Peter's uh, uh, from the... Uh, the Kansas City area studio, which is a new studio, so that's kind of yeah, cool. yeah. You know, uh, we had to double the square footage in the area because we're up around the up and up. So, you know, I need all the space I can get for editing. So I've got the uh, the editing bay over there with the uh, the Adobe Atmos, um, just to make sure that everything sounds great before it goes out to production. So, have you tried the surround sound episode that we did uh, on your theater? No, I haven't. I haven't tried that yet. No. That was the dumbest idea. <laughs> Do you know that we did a, a an episode in surround sound? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, fun times. The original plan was to have Peter's brother uh, sit with two microphones by his ears to simulate the human hearing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a whole thing. So, Bert, I don't how you remember what we ended up doing? But uh. oh, we got it. We got it. We had a top 12 list in surround sound. That's true. Yeah. Anyways, Berg, that was for our 100th episode, I believe. Oh, okay. How you doing, Berg? Just living the dream. You getting any snow yet? Not yet. It's raining. It's about 45 degrees here, so a little cold, but nothing too terrible. That's about what it's like here. We're maybe 50 degrees in rain. Yeah. So, uh, what do you have to drink there? Uh, I have some... Bunahaben, which is a scotch. It's one I've never had before. It How do you spell is, that? Uh, <laughs> B-U-N-N-A-H-A-B-H-A-I-N. So, oh, wow. Uh, it's got touches of smoke to it, so, you know. So that way the listeners can enjoy my smoky, sultry voice as it teaches them the gospel. There you go. Peter, what do you have? I've got my... Uh... In this, I, I'm usually just like whatever Berg's doing. I try to get whatever I'm get this close. So, I've got my Glenlivet 12 year. Nice, nice. That's a good one. Uh, and I haven't unboxed all of my glassware yet, so I have a Pizza Hut cup, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll be using that. Keep it classy. It is very classy. <laughs> it's retro. And I have a cold. I needed a little energy boost. It's been a long week. But I don't want to drink the whole thing because then it's too much booze. So I'm going to take a swig of this and hopefully I don't touch it, which, you know, I probably will because I'll start drinking without thinking. So Indeed. I mean, as long as there's not stuff that's growing in it, next time you can drink the rest of it, right? Right. So, Park, <laughs> I have something on my mind. <laughs> All right. All right. I got something on my mind. Um, I recently heard, and I think maybe you've heard this phrase used, and I want to clarify this by from the front saying i don't think they mean what they what it sounds like okay that's mm-hmm. not what they're intending but i i've been he- you hearing more and more recently the phrase uh when it talking about uh uh the, the lost image of god wouldn't you say cuz you would say vicar that's how you heard it yeah yeah how uh he was talking about how do we define a human or d- define a person. And so he's talking about 
the losing and the restoration of the image of God in the person. Right. And so in that, uh, the discussion is the lost image of God. It is the image of God that makes one of the things that makes us human. And so the idea is that the unregenerate is not fully human or subhuman. Now, I understand that the image is lost, certainly, uh, by sin. But I, I don't know if, how one, how accurate the, the gradient is, making kind of humanity based on a spectrum. Like, the ungenerate man is not quite human, not fully human. Um, it makes me wonder if, if that can lead to uh, a misunderstanding in Christology. Because if Jesus became man, if he became one of us, though bearing the image of God, uh, is that uh, then meaning that he became one of us, uh, not fully humans, as a fully human? Not sure how that works out. And uh, the other concern is, is it a good way? Because when we talk that way, that's not how people generally understand what it means to be human. So we spend a lot of time, for example, saying that an unborn child is fully human, 100% human. Does that cause any confusion with that? Because the way I've always understood it up to this point is, yes, the image was lost, but we're still human. It's not like we're corrupted, we're broken, and uh, we're not as Christ meant it to be, but that doesn't make us any less of a human or subhuman. It makes Christ saw the value in his substitution for people who were not less human, but fully human. I'm just talking this out, Berg. Yeah. Where am I either confused or uh, where would you, uh, where would you uh, either explain this to me or a, or yeah. give me some guidance on this. I think you have a good uh, conservative instinct because this is kind of new language. This is language that the church hasn't used before. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong, but I think you're quick and right to say, hey, 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 we need to think about this. There may be misunderstandings with this and the like. Um, because, yeah, what are the implications of this? Well, if there no doubt there is a qualitative difference between um, those in whom the image of God has been partially restored through holy baptism, through the word of God, that is by faith, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the unregenerate, unbelieving world. However, if we start referring to them as subhumans uh, or being less than human, it seems to open up a lot of bad uh, things that we could do. Like, um, well, if they're not fully human, do they have uh, the same value as we do? And the answer would be, well, no, they're not quite human, right? Yeah, I think it's using two different definitions of human that is part of the issue. Because on the one hand, when we talk about fully human or being human, there's a value that we immediately place on being a, a human as opposed to other animals. Mm -hmm. Right? And then we use that in the life discussion. Yeah. And I'm sure and he wants to avoid what the Roman Catholics do, where, you know, humans are 
completely human. Um, but you know, basically the supernatural gifts of faith and the like are kind of like the cherry on top, right? It's not mm -hmm. actually, uh, constitutive for the human existence. And I understand not wanting to, uh, go down that road at the same time. I mean, we just have to talk the way that, um, the Bible talks, right? Right. And that's what I, what I was thinking. Why can't we use, for example, the language of the Bible, like living and dead, living, dead, um, uncorrupted humans, corrupted humans. Right. Right. Um, it'd be much better to use that sort of language, especially when teaching the simple. I mean, a pastor's conference is for pastors who are going to be teaching, and no doubt pastors ought to be more professionally theologian-y people than the parishioners, but at the same time, um, I don't know. It seems it, like it, a... I've been a pastor long enough and, and a circuit visitor long enough and a supervisor of 20 vicars to know that uh, the red flags I hear in, in using that language and how it could be heard, even though that's not what they're saying, uh, many will miss that nuance and start using subhuman in ways in the congregation that could cause many to stumble in a way which was never meant, but in a way that they won't understand. Right. I mean, a similar thing we can see in uh, the formula of Concord, uh, the first one on original sin, uh, starting at uh, paragraphs 23 and 24. But as to the Latin terms substantia and accidents, because they are not words of Holy Scripture and besides unknown to the ordinary man, they should not be used in sermons before ordinary, uninstructed people, but simple people should be spared them. But in the schools among the learned, these words are rightly retained in disputations concerning original sin, because they are well known and used without any misunderstanding to distinguish exactly between the essence of a thing and what attaches to it in an accidental way. So what they're saying there is, okay, so human nature is created by God, and it's created good. Original sin is the accident or the thing that is attached to the substance. So this is why I hate when people say, well, we're only human. Right. Well, Jesus was human, uh, and he didn't screw up like you did. You mean something different by that. <laughs> right? I mean, right. that's that's the thing. Um, when people say, well, we're only human. No, no, uh, we're sinful humans, and we'll still be humans in heaven. And, in and, and what, heaven what and makes us, earth. and one of the things that makes uh, humans special is the fact that Christ became one of us. So, right. uh, as we read in Hebrews, he didn't do that to the angels. So, I mean, the big thing here is is we have an example in the Book of Concord about using new, you know, terms that aren't biblical. You can still use them, but you need to use them when you're doing shop. You need to do this right. in universities. You need to do this maybe at pastors conferences, but maybe not. Um and if you do that, you have to make sure there's no misunderstandings. Uh, right, because it was it was used in a way, wouldn't you say, without really much explanation at the time, with some explanation, but uh, like, of course, we all have heard this or kind of understand what this means, and I don't think a large portion of the people did. No, I don't think so. Right. Because, I mean, okay, so let's just say you take this into the pulpit. Well, what happens when your kids fall away from the faith? Are they then subhuman? No. 
Well, I guess I, according I, I to this mean, definition. A, according to this definition, they aren't. Right. Well, what sort of implications are there in that? Uh, do they have fewer um, rights under the law? No. Right? Can they be enslaved? No. Um, I mean, all of these things were done. That's the thing. It's like the Muslims did this to people who were non-Muslim. They would actually go and capture them and enslave them because they were non-Muslim. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these things have happened in the history of religion, and we already have enough trouble not, you know, <laughs> fighting among ourselves in this regard right. anyway. So um, to introduce and- new ter- terminology, I think, is not a good idea, um, mm-hmm. especially at a pastor's time- conference. You the, know? Fir- the first time I kind of heard this language um, was was uh, in the some of the two kinds of righteousness discussion where mm-hmm. where righteousness is defined in a sense uh, as being not fully human or I don't remember exactly. You, I showed it to you, Vicar. I don't remember exactly. Uh, diminished humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, talking about how if you do not uh, do your duty by loving your neighbor, you... Uh, shirk your second that kind second kind of righteousness and then right. you aren't fully human right i and i guess a, a, an example kind of the way we would talk about it in baptism is is this is uh sin is in a sense uh not living according to your baptism yeah it doesn't make you any less of a baptized child of god i don't think well, maybe willful it doesn't change your baptismal status Right. So. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you have verses like, I mean, if you're going to talk this way, just say, we are by nature children of wrath, or we're dead in our trespasses and sins. The heart is deceitfully wicked, and who can understand it? It's just talk the way the Bible talks. Right. Because to me, when you start saying diminished human human or less human or not fully human or subhuman— it sounds like our humanity is kind of like on a spectrum. I mean, are we living in a society right now that loves being non-binary? <laughs> yeah, well, and then if they're not Christians, what do you do to them? Because if they're not completely human, then they don't have complete human worth. They don't have, uh, if you want to use that sort of language, the sort of rights mm-hmm. that other humans have, right, that real humans have. So this seems like a, the implications of this don't seem like a very good thing, especially, you know, when and, and I, this like hasn't I, I been said, debated I, in the schools, you know? I, I don't have a, an issue with what it's trying to say. It's more no. of the terminology. Right. Uh, yeah. Because that, that terminology could, I believe, lead to confusion. So. Yep. We have enough of that in the world today, so. Yes. Um, and, and by the way, in the I reference the two kinds of righteousness uh, aspect of it, if you th- if you think about the fact that the implications that we have two kinds of righteousness, one the vertical uh, that we have through baptism and the horizontal for, before our neighbor, uh, the implications and your your humanity is based on the works that you do. Am I wrong? Especially in the vertical f- side. Because there's a, according to this, there is a righteousness apart from faith, righteous that you do for your neighbor that it does don't necessarily 
need to be regenerate for. Which is not how the confessions speak at all. So, or the Bible. And so that being said, we're getting kind of real deep at the very beginning. Uh, but if, if Vicar, if our listeners who have maybe a different understanding on this, um, but I guess I want to say, if you do hear that in, in certain circles, I can say from this, this, I want to make sure you understand that the whole discussion isn't meant to mean the way people will hear it. And this right. is a plug too for reading your book of Concord. Right. Right. I mean, lay people should read it. It's good. If you want the terminology, if you don't want to get, you know, have fights about uh, words and all that kind of nonsense. Especially we are living in a time where people are looking at all corners to trip up the church, to turn our words against us. Yeah. And on Amazon or Concordia publishing house. I mean, we got some really nice uh, readers editions of the Bible or uh, not the Bible, right. the book of Concord. Right. I'm sure you can so, find the Bible there too. So, Maybe. Vicar, where can they get a hold of us? If they can email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. They can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, And they can X at us at clericalheirsp. P for podcast, bro. So, um, one more thing I, I want to get out because I have to get these things out of my head before we continue. That's the way I work, right? You've noticed that? Yes. Because I know if I don't mention it, I'll forget about it. Yeah, and you don't write things down, so. No, <laughs> no. But I don't remember my keys on the way out of the door. Um, and, that, and that is we did get an email with a, like a meme picture. Oh, a what? It's a meme. From oh, what I meme. understand. What you, oh, meme. I thought you said meme and I'm like, what's a meme? From Drew Carey show, you know? No. Sorry, man. Uh, Peter's going to fire it up here. While Peter fires us up, I have something funny to say. You know how my wife, we've been joking, doesn't always listen? Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, and, uh, um, and uh, you know, we've been joking around that. Don't tell tell her about my mustache and all that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So she mentioned, oh, yeah, I was listening to the podcast. Peter will find this funny. She just happened to listen to the last podcast, and then it clicked. Why did she all of a sudden decide to listen to this podcast? She's a Chiefs fan. (laughs) 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 You're absolutely right. There's no way that she chose that for any other reason than the title. 100 percent there's no there's no chance it was anything else so what you're telling me is it worked it worked it worked worked. (laughs) (laughs) i figured you'd appreciate that peter holy cow all right well if she listens to this one she can tell us that we were wrong but she won't (laughs) so uh uh maybe we can post this on the the uh, our clerical errors. So anyway, the meme is from Michael, and he says, "When Bullhagen spends too much time teaching vicars how to clang and bang, and then he <laughs> posts this meme. We'll post it on our Facebook. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it it's a joke. It's a pun about exorcise and exercise. <laughs> so the demons come back ripped. <laughs> there, there you go." Well, uh, thank you, beloved listener. Anyway, we should talk about the text. Oh, yes. That's right. 
Vicar, uh, what am I preaching on? You are preaching on uh, the Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 9. It's, uh, do you want me to read it? Or just? Yeah, it's not that, not that long. Okay. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Thus far the text. All right, I think I know where I'm going to go with this. So, so when Jesus says to him, son, your sins are forgiven, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, do you know what that means? Your sins are forgiven. Well, it means that he wasn't fully human. <laughs> <laughs> the paralyzed man wasn't fully human. Oh, man. <laughs> womp, 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 womp. So what do you think? Should I go there? No, a, please a, don't. You should not no? go there. Okay. No, <laughs> you should not go there. Okay. A subhuman... Come is brought to Jesus? No. That sounds like a really bad setup to a, a really bad joke. No, I probably won't go that direction. Uh, but actually, I was, I was thinking about this text, and I was just telling Vicar about this. When you're preaching a text, there's something to be said about kind of reading reading the room and, and trying to be mindful as you approach a text of what what's going through people's minds, or what kind of week has it been. And certainly, I would say... There's been a lot of people, things on people's minds when it comes to Middle East. Uh, this congregation, we have some things that may be heavy on people's minds, too. And so it's a good time to kind of use that spin, or not spin, but that emphasis. Uh, so I think this is a good time to talk about the authority of Jesus, not only to forgive sins, because uh, we confess where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. And, and so when Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, he also has the authority to raise the dead. He has a story to bring life and salvation. And uh, by saying to him, son, your sins are forgiven, he was already proclaiming there that he was going to die for him and rise for him. And, and that's, that's uh, one thing, certainly, that you can bring out from this text. But there's a whole host of things. You could talk about, um, this could be a sermon on infant baptism, Berg, wouldn't you say? Yep, absolutely. Uh, why? Why? Because, uh, in a sense, that paralyzed man is, had to be carried. Uh, he couldn't well, lift a finger. He didn't have faith either when he saw their faith. Right. Right. So uh, lowering the roof, doing what they can to bring this paralyzed man to Jesus. And, and you could compare then uh, what the naysayers of the text, the objections that people would have. Well, who are you to have the authority not only to forgive sins, but for, to forgive sins to this guy who can't do anything, who probably, uh, uh, probably deserved this and... Um, in a sense, you're kind of bringing him and 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 uh, bringing him to Jesus, 
having Jesus bless him, and it, to me, it's it's no different than what happens in an infant infant baptism. So that's another angle you could have. The other is simply the authority of Christ to forgive sins. That the great, you know, we all wish for miracles at some point, and uh, Jesus first addresses the greatest need. It wasn't to be healed from his par- being paralyzed. It was uh, the, the forgiveness of sins. And the whole point of the, the healing was to show that he had the authority to forgive sins. And when we remember that this authority is also the same authority that Christ has given to his church, given to through the office of the keys, uh, that uh, we have the the not the right, but the uh, command really of Christ to speak with his authority, uh, to do exactly what was happening here and proclaim forgiveness with the voice of Christ. And when, when, you know, people have a lot of problems when the church speaks with authority, they have a lot of problems with, with the idea, well, who are you that you can say what you say or judge or that kind of thing? Uh, well, when we're you speaking Christ and His Word is not we're not doing the judging we're not speaking of our own authority we're speaking that of Christ with the voice of Christ so that's another angle you can take you got anything to add there Berg His own city which city was that it wasn't Nazareth at the city was it it was his own city Capernaum yep so I mean that's where he preached and taught so you know. In a way, I think we could even talk about how the congregation is ours, right? Okay, can you explain that? Um, that you know we're giving we're given jurisdiction over particular places. I mean, Jesus has jurisdiction over all places, but why is this called his city, right? Because this is mm-hmm. where he's preaching and teaching. I think we can do the same thing as pastors. Congregation members can do the same thing as well, right? This is their church, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. a good thing. Um, Another thing you can bring up is Jesus only deals with individuals. He doesn't mm. talk uh, to the crowds. He doesn't talk to the friends. He talks to the man. Mm-hmm. And, the, um, and, the, and the flip, there's a flip side of that too, is the fact that that uh, how Christ sees their faith and says to him, "Son of uh, son, your sins are forgiven." There is an aspect, an encouragement for people to pray for their loved ones, right? Yep. The alien faith, so to speak, and bringing them to the to the arms of Jesus, mm-hmm. of course. Um, mm-hmm. Another one you could say is go to private confession. That could be a sermon title. Right. Because this authority was given to men. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Not just to Jesus. Not just to right. a man, but to men. I mean, that's how they understood it. <laughs> so, you know, that's good. Um, what else? Uh, why the Baptists are wrong could be another sermon title. Because hmm. you remember those tracks, and you know where where they hand them out on the street corners. You know those street preachers and stuff. They they they'd hand out those tracks and stuff, and uh, it'd be like what, sin sin on one side, salvation on the other, and then the cross connecting the two. And okay, now walk across. He provided yeah, the bridge for it, you to yeah, walk across to salvation. So, something like that. But there's one that's going around the internet now uh, that has. Uh, a faceless God saying, you know, only God can forgive sins. And it actually quotes the Pharisees on that. (laughs) 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 Or, uh, you know, that would be another sermon title. Quote your Bible right. 
<laughs> right. Um, you know, so yeah. the idea, I mean, you could even just break down into a beautiful sermon, son, your sins are forgiven you. Point one, what does it mean to be a son? Point two, what does it mean to have sins? Point three, mm-hmm. what does it mean that your sins are forgiven? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a Boom. beautiful thing that he refers to even, I, I didn't really give that much thought. Uh, the fact that he says, take heart, son. Take heart. What a beautiful thing. And that could even be an exhortation at the beginning. Take heart. Why should we take heart? Jesus calls us son. Jesus mm-hmm. knows our sins, but Jesus forgives our sins. Yeah, I, I think I might use use that in in my my discussion here of of take heart too, because I, I I I'm seeing a need for an encouragement sermon uh, here. So yeah. Either that yeah. or you could do the three points and then at the end do take heart. Because right. you are a son, take heart. Take heart despite your sins and your disabilities or even your death. Take heart because your sins are forgiven. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes, it, did you ever notice this? Sometimes it catches people off guard when they're in the hospital and you go visit them and you talk about your sins are forgiven. Like, well, you're here because I am had surgery. <laughs> no, I'm I'm here because you're a sinner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your cancer is because of sin. Right. I mean, what right? would you, I mean, if you were paralyzed, brought to Jesus, he said, "Oh, your sins are forgiven." Thank you. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> um, you know, it's only a scratch. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to be by, bi- you know, I'd like to be bipedal here, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to walk in the light, bro. And yet, that's why it all, Jesus gets to the heart of the problem. Oh, another sermon title. There you go. Boy, you are on fire. Jesus is a radical. Because that's what hey. radical means, right? Is getting to the root of the problem. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, everyone likes the radical Jesus, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, like, you know. Like the, the Bible study, the bad girls, the Bible. That was very popular. Yeah. Edgy isn't radical Jesus, though. Yeah. Radical oh. Jesus is like misunderstood Jesus. Right. So I was, uh, to kind of transition, I was kind of thinking about it. Don't um, transition, please. <laughs> it's a trigger warning. Oh. As I become <laughs> more fully human, um, that... Uh, <laughs> uh, that... I was thinking about the what's going on in Israel, right? Okay. Um, and um, as I was thinking about that kind of situation and how the listeners probably hear so that they can give our deep answers on that. <laughs> um, but I'd like to, unless you have any quick thoughts, Berg. Any quick thoughts on it? All right, quick thoughts. Number one, media is biased anyway, so take all of the media that you're taking in with a grain of salt. Two, no one is innocent. Every you know, no one is good save God Himself. Um, there's plenty of other, there's plenty of blood on both sides of this issue. So, hey, hey, and, uh, and three, pray for ple- pray for pray. peace, right? Because you know, uh, actually, if I can find, I'm gonna find this. 
because I uh, I read the as a close for our confirmation. Uh, I read a, we did a prayer that uh, prayed for peace. Uh, it was a it was a collect from the altar book, but I'm gonna get it here. But it was uh, the prayer that um, th- that's th- th- uh, asks to thwart the plans of those who would bring violence. But then it also included in that prayer is uh, the very good way of thinking about this is lead us to search our own hearts. Yep. Because uh, when you you see that, because people talk all about, all the time of how only animals do that kind of thing. But actually what that should see is to recognize that that's the sin in all of us. That's that's what our sin taking to its its logical logical conclusion. And uh and it's really easy to get there more quickly than you might realize. Uh when you have a thousand people doing that kind of thing, was that, I don't remember exactly how many people breached the wall and started doing that. That it is the other thought I had about it is because I got actually got a random phone call from someone. I don't know who it was. They weren't even in the area. And he said, this is what's going on in Israel has caused me to question my faith. <laughs> um, Why? Well, because he's probably a dispensationalist. That, that was probably a lot. That why would God allow this to the, the, the chosen people type of a thing? And you got this on an email? No, just a random phone call. Oh, nice. literally a random phone call. Um, I I don't think he listens to the podcast, so I'm not. So I I think I could share this, but that that was his his question, and I told them that uh, that this has always happened, and when Jesus talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, he essentially was clear to us that these things are going to happen, that he's not sugarcoating. If It shouldn't cause you to question your faith when Jesus talks about it himself. Um, and, um, and how what made the children of Israel so special was the fact that Christ came from them. And yeah, and I think that's the big thing. For all of our listeners, the Jews are not God's people. Okay, let's be clear here. God's people, the church, the new Jerusalem, the people who are called Jews in the book of Revelation are people who believe in Jesus, regardless of their genetic inheritance. So, because that, that, and that, that is, that is something that you can really see in the history of the Christian church in the sense of it went from a, a, not a tribal birthright type of a thing to a unity in Christ. And so Paul uh, speaks clearly to Peter, for example, about the Judaizing thing. And, and Paul explains, that's, that's not who we are anymore. That's not or, it. Or, you know, if you want to boast in righteousness of the law, Paul has way more than everyone else, right? He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He is from the stock of Israel. He is, you know, from Benjamin, da 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 but what does he call that uh, when it comes to the realm of salvation, to Christ? Rubbish. Rubbish. Excrement. 
filth, poop, poop. poop. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, because I can't use a stronger word. Because that's what it is. Okay, mm-hmm. and he not only talks about it as being loss, but injury. These things are injurious to us when we bring them into the realm of salvation. God and, and this, doesn't care who your daddy was. And this is actually precisely why we're seeing this, is um, this understanding, I believe, really helped influence Western culture that we're reaping the benefits of, although it's falling apart. You know, that's what's so so dangerous about reparations and that kind of thing. It's trying to take us back to the tribalism. You know, I am who my people were 200 years ago and I'm still paying the price. And, and there's this continued tyranny. That's what's going on over there is, is the fact that you are your bloodline and, and these battles, they feel the last 4,000 years (laughs) and, and how they do it. And they can't separate this kind of tribal bloodline way of thinking. And they, it's, they can't move on from that. And I, I do think that that is one reason why we see a difference in the way we think about what's going on in the Middle East and the way they think about it there in the Middle East. Well, and I just want to do a brief shout out to the Brief History of Power. Uh, they t- kind of turned me onto this. I knew this, but I had kind of forgotten it until they brought it up. Do you know why Jesse James and his gang were the, the way that they were? No. It was because of the 1860s, early 1860s. Union soldiers came into their house, tortured his his father-in-law, you know, his stepfather and his mother, and they kicked him out of their house. So what did they do? They became Confederate guerrillas, not because they believed in slavery, but because of what the Union did to them. And then after that, what do they become? Outlaws. Now, they were nobler outlaws than some of them, but... So what do you think is going to happen here? How would you feel if you if you had been living on land that, uh, you know, was taken from you 70 years ago, you'd lived in an open prison for decades at the mercy of people who don't really like you and don't really want you there for electricity and food and the like. A million people in the Gaza Strip need daily food rations. I'm not justifying it or saying it's right, but I can see why people would, you know, rebel against that. Mm. So that's the thing. But once again, what is their solution? Bombing people. You don't overcome evil with evil. Well, yeah, and, and this is That's more the thing. Bombing, evil, right? evil begets more evil. And that's the thing. You can't solve evil with evil. You have to solve evil with good. You have to be like Stephen, who says, Lord, don't charge this sin against them. Or like our Lord Jesus on the cross. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. That's the only way that you break the the cycle of violence. That's the only way you keep kids from being radicalized when their mothers are raped or their families die. There's astounding evil in the world. Malevolent evil. Intentional evil. And the Christian church has the answer to it. Mm -hmm. It was put to death at the cross. So let's embrace that. Let's overcome evil with good. 
Let's overcome chaos with order. I, do, do you know how Jesus addressed the evil in our gospel reading? reading? Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. So, you know. Well, the, the listener isn't here for this discussion, though. Yeah, they're they here. To, they're here to hear my top they're, 12 on power couples I mean, in the Bible. Yes, yes. They're more here to hear that. So Right. Because I've been... I got to at least, or I know we're running short on time already, but I got to at least get through some of this. Don't you think, Peter? I've teased it long enough. You got to give I the listeners so. what they want. You've got 15 minutes. All right. Okay. So, Vicar, what do we do? Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. The reason why what got us here is the fact that uh, we were talking about... Uh, the, the power, new power couple, right? Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, Peter, wh- what's it like being in the Kansas City area right now with this all this going on? I cannot describe to you how many times in a day I hear Taylor Swift. Oh. <laughs> like, the words. Like, people will say the words, Taylor Swift. I heard that phrase. I went from literally never hearing about Taylor Swift outside of, like, talking specifically about the concert to just around me in the office, like four or five times a day, I hear, well, you know, Taylor Swift to be at the game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Right. Uh, do they, it's just two people. Do like, they do a lot of Taylor Swift quotes? To, uh, Burke's guy, he, he was. I don't know if you still are. At one point, you were kind of a Swifty because if you listen to earlier episodes, you quote Taylor Swift a lot. Hey, you know. Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. <laughs> so uh, so that is what co- led me to talk about the true power couples, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You just wanted to dethrone, you know, Queen Swift and uh, her Panamore. Yes. Does this mean we can put them in the title again? <laughs> yeah. I'm, Kelsey, I'm a- Kelsey and Taylor confirmed. <laughs> oh man number 12 mary and joseph okay yeah right i know we don't i know jo- joseph uh we don't think much about him because he wasn't the real dad but hey i mean the dude did more like to rescue the faith than a lot of christians so you right. know <laughs> right uh so uh so yeah, I mean, he's the one that taught Jesus the craft, right? Carpentry. Well, and like saved him from death a couple times, yep. and mm-hmm. you know, didn't ab- abandon his mother, and you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. Although I I, I don't like the order because I just realized I did something. So that's number twelve, and you can argue about about the order. Number eleven, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they might argue with my ordering system. <laughs> but uh, uh, the 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 father and mother of John the Baptist. Okay. Uh, and uh, he, remember what happened to Zechariah when he found out that his wife was going to have a baby. Yeah, he became mute. Right. He doubted. I bet his wife loved that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people think it should be the other way around, right? But well, I don't know. I think wives like silence. Then they can keep talking. They've got a willing listener. 
Right. I feel like you're the one that talks in your relationship. Is that right, Berg? Probably more than I should. <laughs> <laughs> Number 10. Solomon et al. <laughs> all 700? <laughs> you, you can't just choose one out of that mess? I mean, how do you? Okay, let's let's take a step back. <laughs> Are you counting the six hundred concubines too? Or? Hey, hey, Vicar. Yes. Can you do me a favor? Can you define a couple? <laughs> a, a couple? Yeah, I yeah, didn't, yeah. I didn't think we were doing poly- what's the polyamory what's the definition. Here? Yeah, because uh, including concubines oh, seems like know, it kind of cheeses the. No, no. Here, here's the thing, though. This is why you can say Solomon at all, because you know, like. Like three times a day, he would say this, honey, I just want you to know that you're, you're the one, right? <laughs> like, I could have had any woman in the world, right? Any winner, woman in the world, and tonight, I choose you. I feel like if that's the case, then you have to have, <laughs> uh, you have, to have Solomon as number 12 through 600 uh, or 711, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, because it's that, that's a lot of couples. It's not I mean, just one couple. Let's be honest. The dude is probably saying, "Honey, I have a headache tonight." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, how? How? Okay, I'm gonna say something controversial. Okay, how is this different than the Swifty thing when she has a kind of a list of boyfriends? I mean, but she only has one at a time. Serial well, monogamist. But- Right. Well, like famously, she only has one at a time. Well, you know, she's she's, well, and because we're because we're in October, she is like a a a song vampire, like a mermaid. This is really hard to get content out of. It sounded great to begin with, right? You were teasing the list. I was like, man, this is going to be a great list. You started reading, and we realized we had nothing to say. This is terrible. Keep going. Number nine. Uh, Berg will like this one. I think. Uh, uh, Hosea and Gomer. <laughs> Gomer Pyle. <laughs> right. Because. You know who that is, right? Yes, I know who I Gomer. Uh, Jim Neighbors. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, I know who just make it, Gomer Just Pyle. making sure. Right. But, uh, what, do you remember who, uh, Gomer is? Anybody? Vicar? Isn't, I'm trying to get my minor profits together. Isn't. She the the prostitute who kept like running out, and he had to go get her from another land and bring her back. Or am I thinking of somebody else? Yep, that would be correct. Yep, I would say. Yeah, well, there's a lot of power struggles going on in that couple, so I guess it counts. Right, right. So, uh, big just because Peter wants us to keep moving, <laughs> dude. I am so bored. <laughs> we need to get. <laughs> All right, this, it'll it'll edit great, but man, right now it's not good. <laughs> I like how I said this is why people are listening for this. List. Oh gosh! <laughs> All right, uh, uh, number one, two. Is this eight? We'll go with eight. Number eight. Now this is obvious, right? David and Bathsheba. Yeah, they produce Solomon. I mean, he's a specimen. I mean, the relationship began with a little controversy, but I mean, a lot is, he, a lot do, right? Listen, he really wanted that rubber ducky. <laughs> You're the one. You make bath time lots of fun. 
close. Uh, they're making a Veggie Tales <laughs> joke. Yeah, Veggie Tales. Vicar had me on that one. Oh, I don't know yeah. Veggie Tales. Before my time, number seven, uh, Boaz and Ruth. How's that for a power couple, right? There you go. Yeah. Hey, do you know you know that uh, Boaz was kind of a bad guy before he met Ruth? No. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was pretty ruthless. Huh. <laughs> Look at how proud he is, Peter. You see how proud he is of himself. Look at that. I'm so tempted. I'm so tempted. He's so proud to of just himself. cut to the end credits on that one. <laughs> like we just end the episode. Just ruthless. Do 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 All right. Uh, that's uh, proving that, yes, we are all still a little subhuman. Thank you, Berg. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. Joseph and Asenath. Am I pronouncing that right? Asenath? Asenath? Uh, I think it's pronounced absinthe. No, I don't think so. Absinthe is pretty good. <laughs> so Joseph, uh, obviously you know him, who, who was sold in slavery, became powerful. He uh, wound up marrying a very powerful Egyptian wife. So, she was pretty exotic. Pretty prominent figure. I mean, for a uh, you know a hierarchy climber like him, that was a pretty good marriage, right? Number five. I'm 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 gonna zag on this one. She doesn't get the credit she deserves. I'm going Jacob and Leah. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Why? Right? Her eyes were weak, as the Hebrew says. <laughs> Which means she probably wasn't all that easy on the eyes, and yet God gave her like a lot of children, right? And she is the ancestress of the Messiah, and she is buried in the family tomb. Booyah! Take that, Rachel. Yeah, I mean Rachel's the one that gets all the love, right? Yeah, but see, but, it seems well, like Leah, when you... Leah was a real workhorse, wasn't she? <laughs> Well, t- yeah, they use that the parlance of our times, I guess. <laughs> Number four, uh, Samson and Delilah. Oh no, that's like the anti-power couple. Yeah, I was gonna say they the same thing. 12. That's the anti-power yeah, couple. Yeah, that makes me want to cry. Oh. Like this is like when you play peekaboo with the devil and you get your power stolen. Okay, now this is why I thought about this. Okay, <laughs> wait, can we? I'm sorry, can we come back to that? Okay, please. Peekaboo with the devil. Yeah, like, he plays with her. Like, he's like, well, you know, if you just weave my hair into a loom that's never been blah, blah, blah. Or I was if you just, just hoping it was a reference to something is all. Well, it could be a band name. So if you want <laughs> it, you, the devil? You, you can. At least we have a show title. I thought it was like a Power <laughs> Rangers reference or something. Like, oh, no, they stole my power. Like, uh, Anyways, sorry. You had Bullhagen. Why'd you choose this? What's your I got you interested, rationale? Peter. So I tried. Know. Okay, dude, I'm I'm grasping at straws to make this interesting. Okay, I'm doing everything I can. <laughs> All right. So the reason why I chose Samson and Delilah is this. Okay, the here Travis Kelsey is at the peak of his career, right? Right. Uh, right. <laughs> why are we talking about this again? Uh, no. no, no. Listen. Right. Uh, uh, peak of his career, strong. Right. What's going to happen? When he does something and makes her mad and gets all the Swifties. She's going to shave his head. Now you got bad love. Right. There's going to be songs. There's going to be an angry mob. This this could be his downfall. 
and NFL. She could fall. be a. She I could mean, be his. Delilah. We're going to start a culture war between the Swifties and the NFL fans. Yes. Let it burn, man. Let it burn. <laughs> this is like the best news I've ever heard ever. <laughs> oh, see? So so you see? It's working now. That that uh, number four is working for you. <laughs> right? All right. I, I, I will say yes. Number three. Abraham and Sarah. That's pretty you obvious, know, right? Yeah. She's one of the few where her death is actually noted in the Bible. I mean, faithful woman, she helped her husband out. I mean, you could read some of those things as being kind of petty and everything else, but honestly, just the way the Bible makes her look, like she's she's a good woman. Mm-hmm. She has a great instinct of faith. And, and, and also, I mean, 100 years old, 90 years old. I mean, not bad. Yeah. Well, bearing your kid, have a baby. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, I'd laugh too, and then I'd name, my, and then I'd name my kid laugh, <laughs> or chuckles, chuckles, chucklesburg. Chuckles. How about that? Chucklesburg. <laughs> How about that? If people send us a per- bunch of money, I'll I'll consider it. <laughs> All right, Patreon. You guys know what to do. <laughs> All right. A hundred dollar donation, you get to name Berg's child. <laughs> Maybe. Let's, let's I, do I this, Clerical Heirs Army. <laughs> we right. have to raise like three thousand dollars for that to happen. So <laughs> for two thousand, will you get a tattoo that says "Chuckles"? I might. I might. Depends. All right. I. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't want to get a tattoo because, like, if for any reason you wind up going to prison and you have a Chuckles tattoo, that just would go go well. All right, um, we're all going to prison sometime, man. Like, it's it's coming. So, <laughs> number two, there's like a big power couple I haven't mentioned yet. It's not Adam and Eve. Yeah, it is. That that's it. Adam and Eve. Oh, cool. I thought it was gonna be Christ <laughs> in the church, man. Well, that, wait, that's Adam and Eve is number two. Okay. What do you think number one is gonna be? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, crap. We just screwed it up. Right. Right. So Peter, cut that out. <laughs> you and <are>. number. <laughs> no, no, let, me, let me explain. Let me explain this a little bit. Right. Uh, obviously, obvious reasons. Right. There are the the great uh, Adam and Eve, our own the one that ties us all together as as. Uh, Human beings, fully human beings, some partial human beings, right? And yeah, you could argue Noah. <laughs> Boom, roasted. Ooh. Yeah, why isn't Noah's wife on this thing? She's pretty faithful. I mean, her husband built an ark for like 120 years. I mean, those two are way better than Samson. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, although Adam does name his wife Eve, which is mother of the living. Which shows he has faith. Well, but which came first, the name or the connotation, you know? Uh, well, connotation Eve, it all came together, right? Because he names her after the fall into sin. Because mm-hmm. otherwise she was just Isha, the woman. So, uh, yeah, the other thing I was thinking about with this is, is uh, they were, they were married before the fall. That's, Interesting Can't get much better about. than that. Yeah. Yeah. It showed that their wedding date was the highest that they could aspire to. 
Right. Yeah, what was the old joke? Uh, Adam asked, uh, God said it's going to cost an arm and a leg, and Adam asked, what, what can, can I, I get for What can I get for a rib? <laughs> <laughs> they had the best destination wedding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And number one. Um, so, obviously, Berg has already taken my thunder. Number one, Christ and the church. Aw. Do you have a problem with that one, Berg? I don't. Okay. That's good. Except if you're a ra- uh, radical pietist and you talk about Jesus as your boyfriend. That's El Bado. El Bado. That's how they speak Spanish in Montana. <laughs> yeah, same region. That's right. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Do you go to the Mexican restaurant and order the El Bado platter? I should. I should see if they could create one for me. Yeah, Guys, I remember I one think time this episode has offset as well. So we had enough <laughs> landmines in here. Yeah, I remember. I remember taking a vicar to a, a Mexican restaurant. Okay, <laughs> if for lunch. And what does about sixty percent of Mexican restaurants have in their lunch menu? What platter? tacos? El carne. Taquitos. Crazy chicken. No. Pollo loco. Speedy Gonzalez. Uh. Right. So I remember. Uh, taking a vicar to a Mexican restaurant once and he wanted, that's what he wanted. And he's like trying not to say it, but say it. He's like, well, I don't want to sound insincere or, you know, I'll take the, uh, speedy guns. Gonzalez. It's okay for me to say <laughs> like, dude, it's on the menu. <laughs> I'm actually going to go to the me- Mexican restaurant. You've inspired me now to go. So if, if, if they have that menu item, take a picture and send it to me. I will. And get yourself a chile relleno. You know, I like tongue tacos. They're really good. Hmm. Sure. That's is the it... one thing I, I really miss about being in Iowa. Is my, I mean, we really had some authentic Mexican food. Mm-hmm. I've never had a tongue taco. Well, if you go to uh, the one that's kind of kitty corner to um, uh, Ru- Rustic Brew, you can mm-hmm. get a Laguna ta- taco. So... Oh, you can also get a cow brain one there too, as well. So they have clams. Yeah. Mm. Let's end the episode, please. Peter has told us that this episode needs to end very quickly, so we will end this very quickly. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg, and I'm Vicker. And may your power couple be free from concubines. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.